welcome everybody to Deportee, a weekly hospitality podcast talking about all things hospitality. Um, hello Miriam, how are you? Hello Mish, I'm very well. How are you? I'm great this week. Much better than last week, I think. Uh, I love to hear that. Me too, me too. <laughs> For those who are first time listeners, well, what we talk about is basically hospitality. We summarize all the news there are. For those who don't have the time to, you know, do it themselves. So if you listen to our podcast, you the idea is that all you need to do is listen to what Liberty has to say and the rest is basically done. You, can, you don't have to feel guilty about missing the news that way. <laughs> well, you have to listen to Mish and my opinion about all the news that happened last week that we think are important, eh? Yes, we, we are very different individuals. Therefore, we cover a wide spectrum of opinions. Exactly. So what do you think? Should we start right away? Let's do it. Because you found some news which are really exciting. Um, and it's building up on the topic of GDSs. I think last time we talked about what are GDSs because they didn't get lots of limelight. And now you found news that they're kind of being replaced. I mean, uh, the news wasn't particularly perhaps about NGDSs being replaced. And for the for you know the listeners who maybe don't know what GDSs are, global distribution systems like Sabre, they are the software providers that are responsible for basically uh, facilitating sales of hotels and for of airline tickets since the 80s and 70s, right? Um, they basically before acted as almost a sole proprietor of distribution of a variety of different. Uh, airline inventories and hotel inventories, right? What has changed now? Basically, Wait, you could say especially like kind of like a wholesaler, no? Because they were like selling in big. Could you say that? Big yeah, bulk? yeah. Mm. They were the, the the tech provider that was basically as acting as a logistics <laughs> provider between, uh, let's say, the the end user, like the a, a passenger on a plane, and an airline. Right? The and airline they... didn't have the tech to distribute their stuff, and also no the networks for the two operators to do so. So GDSs had basically a, an upper hand there. Before. Exactly. They were mostly selling to tour operators or company directly. Exactly. they would facilitate. Yep. Got it. Now, what is happening since um, late last year and this year is a new tech protocol called NDC that basically, in a nutshell, allows tech companies, uh, sorry, airlines to create a type of API integration within for their, you know, their airline inventory effectively not bypassing GGCs, but uh, forcing GGCs to actually connect to the API system of the airlines and then resell whatever there is to, to resell and also allow a direct communication, even though the GS has sold stuff to the, to, the, to the passengers, between the passengers and the airlines. So, for example, previously, if you would book through something like Sabre, if there was a different deal that happened between then and now, you would likely it will be like difficult for you to change your ticket or be upsold or maybe buy extra stuff right cross selling of let's say extra luggage something like this this basically allows a direct integration to the airline and as a result any software basically can now can connect to that api integration and basically this basically allows now for countless of different softwares to create this and this way takes basically takes away the monopoly of uh, the ggs has basically had up until recently at least over airlines Ooh, what does NDS stand for? Ooh, uh, NDS was standing for. Let me just give me a give me a second. Well, okay. you can talk about something else. I know, but, uh... <laughs> you get a chance to Google it. All right. <laughs> I was planning to list it down. Uh, so the distribution with offers and orders. 
distribution with offers and orders. Yes, it's a new distribution capability. Basically, that's what it is. NDC, new distribution capability. Very simple. Ooh. Very straightforward. And one of the airlines that is doing it now, um, not the first, but one of them is Air Canada. So basically, they have announced an NDC. Mm-hmm. or their own software and they have made a deal with Subra, right saying mm-hmm. Subra can now connect to it but also anybody else can too as well wait but so that means that everybody can connect to real inventory like yeah. time real inventory of airlines even but if they want to buy in bulk but also most importantly for airlines i think that's what is the most crucial element for the airlines themselves they can connect to the the offers and orders, meaning when you basically what, what happened up until then was GGSs mm-hmm. would look at whatever airlines are offering, package mm-hmm. it somehow mm-hmm. in certain certain you know like what you you can call it tariffs or rates, mm-hmm. and then would sell it through a variety of channels, right? So you could go and you say, well, if it's a long term booker, short term booker, B two B maybe travel or something like this. Now this is basically a system that can be dynamically changed live. So basically. An airline can change their offering. Let's mm-hmm. say, oh, now we have a discount for upselling you to give you extra luggage piece. And this system, because the GGS is, would be forced to connect to it, would basically allow the passenger to, to through whatever front user experience, upsell themselves <laughs> if they want to, right? Or cross-sell or whatever. Previously, that was a bit limited. Ah, uh, because they were... They also had to, like... I think another reason why this is good for airlines, they needed to kind of update or you had to put your rates on the GDS. So actually you had manual labor for people to upload the rates on the GDS. So now if you can connect directly, it also will be easier. You don't have the manual labor, manual work to to upload to the rates. To package things together yeah. and so on and so forth. Yep. To upload the it's rates. A, but most importantly now, right, any software or any software provider can basically create an API integration, mm. right? That's what it means, right? A lot of softwares out there have a basically a simple uh, integration where you just use a couple of um, uh, login addresses and you can connect it to a lot of other softwares. It's almost like open source software, meaning a lot of people can just develop uh, a software now and create their own user interface and start selling inventory from the airlines directly, specifically, let's say, for example, from from Air Canada because they have their own software now in case you are for example a fan of Air Canada <laughs> mm, so I could make my little could I make my little Air Canada page and say I sell rates of Air Canada and then connect to their ape, to their <laughs> effectively yeah exactly <laughs> if you really want to <laughs> okay I, I got it I mean I think that is 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 really what is shaking up the hospitality industry at the moment right in every step of the booking um of the booking journey right i think we speak about new pms systems that now have open apis um we're later going to talk about fintech companies that are entering um the hospitality market so these open apis kind of um revolutionize the the traditional booking journey, which has been done for the past 20 years. And the interesting part, they're doing it sort of quietly in the back mm-hmm. end, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody is really noticing it, but the market is becoming more democratized and more easy to access for anybody. 
And it's you know it's quite interesting when the news article that was providing this uh, this piece of information was saying yeah well this is the first time the technology changed since the eighties basically right really Which is but I didn't even see that part of news like so it's actually really happening very quietly because I I did check the news I mean the article I mean this is a very hard article to make it clickbaity right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Genius. sure you can make it <laughs> sexy for for people to click on right it's much easier to say. Tourists are coming back. Twenty two hundred percent return rates, right? That, that's what people click on. Okay, not, uh, I get your point. NDCs and GDCs and uh, internet. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't sound very good. I get your point. It's not the the sexiest headline, I would say. But that's why we're here, right? We're trying mm. to pick up the news that I think um, will impact the industry more. For sure, for sure. On that note, next piece of news. Woohoo, Miriam! Da, da, da. Uh, you found something interesting this week. Tell us. Uh, which one? Wait. Fintech. Ah, uh, the fintech one. Yeah, I kind of already started talking about it. And I think it's how the, I read that the hospitality executives are having sleepless nights because um, the fintech industry is entering the hospitality market. And I I can't understand why they're having sleepless nights <laughs> because they need to change all their systems. And if you have something like Accor and Marriott, which have traditional PMS systems like Opera, um, that you pay a lot of money and that you manually set up and manually connect to all external platforms and stuff. Changing quickly is very, very difficult. Um, but what is happening is that fintech companies um, are also democratizing the way payments are happening. They're um, also adding open APIs for to to make that payment process easier it makes it trackable even adding blockchain to it so executives of big companies um don't see how they can implement these technologies um as fast as they need to i think this is why they're having sleepless nights it's that typical story of, for example, Marriott having, um, I think they use Opera. Yeah. But for them to change to anything more modern and adaptive, that means they have to, from one day to another, train 200,000 employees yes. on how to use a new PMS, causing probably absolute havoc. in, the, in Absolute across, chaos. Uh, across 500,000 different units, <laughs> right? Absolute chaos. Um, and I mean, often they also have contracts, right, that go years. I don't know how long an opera contract is, but I don't think you can resign that within um, a short amount of time. Plus, we already are short of staff, so they would need to learn that, change all the systems. Oh, my God. Um, I really, really understand why they're not sleeping. But I think that gives a, a great opportunity from for upcoming startups or for new coming hospitality companies. Um I definitely think this is a really, really big hurdle for traditional, yeah, hospitality companies. But what's particular, what's more particular about about fintech? I mean, it's not traditional, but I think if you kind of know the back end of a hospitality booking journey, you know that the payment has often been very manual. Right, like you always had staff that would um, send the invoices, make sure they booked in the right way, and so on and so on. 
And now if you have open APIs and your system is set up in the right way, this is all automatic. Um, but yeah, you have to do so. <laughs> but then there is an additional like suggestion on, you know, how could hospitality, tra even traditional hospitality companies um, make use of, of the fintech companies entering the hospitality market? And it says something like, you know, they could invest in them. Um, when by investing in them, they can adapt or adapt technologies quicker. They could buy them, um, which makes it often easier to to roll oh, them out around. afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I, good point. Fair point. <laughs> they could start buying the companies. Absolutely right. Um, but also uh, make partnerships because loyalty programs and collecting points and stuff like that is um, very or is becoming easier and easier with blockchain so partnerships are also suggested should suggested um for hospitality executives to kind of jump on the fintech train successfully what do you think i mean the financial industry is all about margins right quick speed uh automation and so on and so forth no fuss yeah so hospitality has always been about guest journeys and talking to people and all I mean, about we, fuss <laughs> We, this week, right, we have an article about five ways to make sure you n name the guest that you, you know, basically use the name of your guests, right? Yeah. Five ways to do so. I don't think that's a, <laughs> it's a very, it probably doesn't take that much uh, brain space for the fintech uh, participants. Uh, it's true. So, you know, there's always in the news, I always see this um, ad for in-room guest directory tablet. Where they kind of like advertise that you can have a tablet where you can put your guest information on it, and I'm always like, it's just, it's just unnecessary. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It takes <laughs> up people's like, time, and nobody cares, right? Probably. Like what? We have it on our phones. Like what? Anyway, I find that super interesting. So I always scroll that part. But yeah, what do you think is the most revolutionary? revolutionary thing about fintech not much to be talent. fair i mean i was right i think a lot of people go into the industry that are very talented mm -hmm. have have a lot of a lot of things going for them because it's an industry that is paying a lot of money right fintech. i think there's basically let's say on average every year there's a certain amount of great people graduating from university who are talented and smart mm -hmm. and then they choose an industry right it's not like all of them have decided for the rest of their life they do one thing and one thing only right mm -hmm. and fintech basically chuckles this you know takes these people up and makes them do fintech stuff because it you make money there right it's it's mm -hmm. um very easy to automate but um doesn't necessarily mean it's most exciting to me it feels like optimization of 2% of your transactions, right? If you optimize 2% of your transactions, you will make 3 trillion. Great, right? That's exciting in the sense of 3 trillion, but actually you optimize 2% of your transactions, right? So it's not, <laughs> and I'm talking about, right? Let's say, for example, um, American Express, right? If they do something 2% better, they will make trillions or billions, right? Mm. Because there's such sheer volume of it, but but do you also think it's not that exciting no what what is the innovation here what is the interesting part what what are you doing that is it takes away the monopoly right like you just mentioned it i mean there are like four like transaction providers for the moment for like credit cards and all these different transactions so you kind of are forced to use one of those five 
but now by having more fintech companies entering that space, it might be more diversified as well. No, yeah, for sure. We talked about this a few weeks ago, I think. Remember that the, the um, payment providers from India and from China and even mm-hmm. from Africa are kind of trying to go global to... What to are they called? Do you know their names? Well, for example, Alipay from China. Okay, Alipay. That's, the, Alipay, that's yes. the famous one. That's or WeChat or so on and so forth. Mm. Um, but that's the thing to me, at least for me, right? It's uh, not the most exciting thing in the world. I would be interested in a physics break breakthrough of discovering a new new particle that will maybe change the world. That would be exciting. About energy, Maybe that's right? where smart people should and put light. their time into. <laughs> About energy and light. Yeah. How we that, can have that. infinite energy. <laughs> That's no, what you told me about in our car ride to go hiking. That is truly exciting, right? If somebody comes up for once. <laughs> <laughs> for once, yes, exactly. On that piece of news, I think we can move on. I think. Um, next piece of news, and I think you were excited about this one uh, how the US market or the US tourism market can recover fully. So, mm. what is there? Do you have a recipe for us? I mean, to, to be honest. Garlic? I feel this is this kind of news, like, how does a tourism market recover? And I just felt like I have seen this headline a million times, but I somehow always skipped it because it just felt so, like, general. But then I actually kind of started, I was like, okay, you know, tell me, how, how does the U.S. tourism market, how is he supposed to recover after COVID-19? Um, so I, just, I need to know, tell me now. <laughs> I was like, give me the info. Um, and... I mean, to be honest, one of the biggest things that stood out was that the public and the private sector need to work better together in various ways to increase or improve the infrastructure and f- the infrastructure for travel. travel. So, for example... Investments in infrastructures, of course, technology, improvement in air travel policies, sustainable practices, um, a diverse and inclusive workforce, innovation, travel safety and security. Um, and that all is a collaboration. Uh, visa processes, that's another one. That all is a collaboration between private and public sector. So I kind of, what I took from that, I don't know if that, is the source of it but i took kind of how a tourism market can come back is by lobbying strong connection and communication Paid by the lobbyists and communication between <laughs> the private and the public sector that doesn't always need to be lobbying I mean, it is in a nutshell. It should be, right? We're looking at this. It shouldn't. It is, but it shouldn't be. There could also just be like committees or I don't know. Oh, if I guess if it was so simple, everybody would do it. I don't have a simple answer for that. Um, I mean, given the news from last week, if you remember, where in Germany, lobbyists in the tourism sort of guest sector are one of the most low lowest so there's one of the lowest margins of uh, investment in lobbying mm. from coming from the guest sector or from the hospitality sector yeah means that you know maybe yeah indeed for us to for, but uh, you're absolutely correct i mean all these things there can be so much stuff done just by let's say giving people like what germany is doing now right the 49 euro ticket for across all of germany exactly i'm sure that that is promoting quite a lot of travel right and travel is essential for hotels for sure now as a as a berliner you can just get on a train 
you pay 49 euros a month you can take go anywhere with the train not the ICs. In the hotel <laughs> not the ICs, right but you might you might want to enjoy the views a bit longer right see the see the see the blue sky the towers yeah all of that. but i guess right like i think this i think what is i mean it's all about communication anywhere everywhere but i think that you know sometimes the private and the public sectors are fighting each other right because they have different goals or they have different views or different ways of working one is a bit quacker the other one is a bit more um detailed so i find it i don't know just i think i never really had this epiphany of that this communication is so essential for the industry i i knew I it but it wasn't it didn't make it didn't do the click thing <laughs> Maybe this would be essential news, right, for those of us listeners who maybe are hotel investors or hotel owners, right? Mm. Just go to your local government, maybe if you're in a small town, and talk to them. Exactly. See what they're doing. See if you can support or advise or anything, right? Wouldn't hurt. And work if... work together. It sounds kind of like cheesy in a way, but that the two forces really need to come together in the U.S. to bring back the travel. Um, Therefore, also everywhere else. Yes. I mean, yeah, yes. Yes. Okay. Not, the world doesn't just, <laughs> doesn't just I read end. it. Yeah, sure. I read it about the US. But for me, I guess the US is huge. I, I'm from Switzerland. Not so big. US, very big. Um, right? That I think in a smaller place, the communication is maybe even easier. Or mm. I Even now, right? If you take a look at, let's say... Um, an, an average European uh, town, tourist town, you will always go in there and there's signage, you know, hotel here, hotel yeah. there. For example, wine regions have this wine routes, right? And then mm. they list all the hotels in those wine routes. That is a collaboration between exactly. local governments and, um, of course, the businesses, right? Yeah. But even then, that is so outdated. It feels off. Right? So <laughs> just like, who even cares about those signs? How many people will travel that area and actually book a hotel these days, right? <gasps> The, the walk-in guests that will suddenly in the middle of the night decide to pop by a hotel that is potentially closed because people can't be bothered to have a 24-7 reception anymore, right? <laughs> God, but I just, I feel like this piece of news kind of got me really inspired. I feel like there's so many opportunities. If they're like innovative people listening to this, um, I hope. <laughs> Go talk Go. to your politicians. <laughs> yes. Or to your, uh, I don't know, private companies. Of how what to your rabbi? I'm sure the rabbi will help us. Well. <laughs> I think it's time to move on to the next news. <laughs> what do you uh, think? Yes, I agree. Um, we had quite a lot of, well, next news, right? Next news. <laughs> <laughs> so we had quite a lot of interesting news from the world of um, air travel this week. Mm. Uh, in fact, it was just air travel left and right, including the first piece of news, which is the GDSs, right? Mm. Um, but one that interested me most was... Um, what is going on now in Netherlands in Schiphol, right? Or, I apologize. How did you say it? Speak. You want to say it again? Yeah, I, I, I don't know the speaker. I've heard <laughs> Dutch people say the name with some sort of a weird ending in the end. Let's just say the main hotel of Amsterdam, right? The main uh, hotel, think, you mean airport? So, uh, the main airport of the, the main, <laughs> they wouldn't have, they would, I thought they weren't even that one. Now, um, the main airport of uh, Amsterdam. So um, recently, even before Corona, they were planning to basically limit the amount of flights coming in. So they said there will be no more uh, flight routes given out, right? So anytime an airline wants to start 
landing their planes. Let's say a new airline from, I don't know, Indonesia decided to also fly to Amsterdam. And then they have to buy a new route to, in order to be able for their planes to go and land in, uh, in Amsterdam. And the Amsterdam airport basically said, nope, up until recently, we don't have enough space anymore, even though technically from an infrastructure perspective, they do. Mm -hmm. Amsterdam is too, there's too many people and the locals just want peace and quiet, right? They want to just uh, eat their cheese and smoke their weed, right? Without the bother of the, the multitude of uh, tourists coming in. Now, um, the local airlines obviously didn't like that. And in fact, uh, the government actually wanted to start cutting down the routes. Uh, so they actually started closing some. Just for, I mean, I mean, it's important because locals said that they didn't want to have as much tourism. It's about uh, it's about uh, that sort of stereotypical idea of Amsterdam being filled with groups of 30, 40 people just walking through the city so that it becomes unusable. Okay, right? got it. It's it's just politics. No, no, I uh, get it. I just, I mean, populations. Yeah, they, I think that's always one of those fights, right? There's also the the claim of being more sustainable, right? Mm. Uh, if we have less planes, we're going to be more friendly. If we start moving, we're going to be more friendly. If half of the population dies, the planet will be saved and we'll be all be happy, right? No, but um, the main airline, KLM as well, is against it. And they actually started a legal action in, with a few other airlines against the, the airport, um, basically, authority. Mm. But also what they've done is started to propose, oh, how about we actually do something smart? So first of all, we can reroute some airlines all routes so that it's there is less noise so they can fly over the populations that are uh, areas that are less populated right mm -hmm. nobody apparently has thought of that i guess they just go straight line and that's it that means planes will have to spend maybe a bit more petrol but um uh, but at least still be better than noise. not having a route yeah and okay. uh, klm also said they will actually buy new planes that will also um, be more friendly and less noisy in fact the new Airbus A320neo is 50% less noisy than the previous model, meaning half the noise gone. Also, it comes from noise. I mean, people from Amsterdam were complaining about noise. Yeah. Got well. it. So that was, one of, that was one of the main reasons. They have new so the, planes? Yeah, uh, that's actually another piece of news this week, right? Uh, Airbus and uh, a few other companies. Airbus created the forecast as well this year. The, that in the next 20 years, they'll produce 43,000 planes. Mm. Enough of those planes will just be replacing old planes. What happens with the old planes? It's just, uh, you know, too old to be used, right? Every Any major... They park them in the desert and never use them again. Well, no, That's what I read recycled once. or sold somewhere, right? But the point is, any like a building, right? Uh, things run out of the use and they're depreciated to zero, right? And okay, so like a building... Right, in airline usage, there's much more. There's, the regulations are really high, so certain planes probably are not allowed to be used anymore after a certain period mm. because they're just not safe anymore, right? Except if you sell them to a third world country where it's still fine, probably. Yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> Most likely, yeah. Now I kind of want to know how to recycle an airplane. Anyway, that's drifting up from week, the news. <laughs> it's drifting up from the news. You see where my brain on... goes. <laughs> Next week on Liberty, we send Miriam to a recycling station and while well, she climbs a plane and takes everything. How do you recycle a plane? But that is big news. Um, no city, no other city, basically no other, air, air, no other airport in the world is kind of doing this, right? Nobody's forced to do so. So whatever comes out of this might actually impact the rest of the, the, rest of the industry. And I kind of find it interesting that Amsterdam, you know, I think almost... <laughs> Every city around who has an airport has 
complaints, has noise complaints. And actually, it's really the first time that I hear that airports are cutting down routes to decrease the noise for the population in that area. And as soon as this is happening, they come up with alternative ideas on how you could do it in a better way. Right? Like, as soon as the, I don't know. I think, I mean, that's what we should try for, for as humanity, right? Mm -hmm. To improve things and make them better, not just cut them down and do nothing about it, right? Mm -hmm, Less mm -hmm. consumption is not solution, it's, it's more smarter consumption, yeah. right? So. But it usually starts with a mm, rejection, or how do you say? Yeah, with a yeah, it's pushback, the pendulum, right? It's the, yeah. it's the pendulum of, no, nothing at all. No, actually, mm. we can do this. And then so it swings until, until exactly. we find a happy middle ground and uh, progress is made. And everybody's happy. Kind of a good, so, a kind of a good example of politics and industry communicating well. No, maybe somebody did decide to talk to the Holy. local authorities. This is really good. This is there. You go. There very... you go. The planet is moving <laughs> one step ahead. We're every excited. Day. <laughs> I mean, we are also almost at the end of our podcast. Or is there something else you would talk about? Is there another piece of news that you really, really, really want to share? I think there is a, a very, very interesting piece of um, uh, advice that we found this week, right? So at the end of our newsletter, every week, we also go into tips and tricks. Mm -hmm. So whatever people advise uh, the industry professionals to do, right? Advice that maybe you should miss. And this week, there was the topic of cybersecurity. Mm. Now, it, it to me as well, that was exactly my reaction. Oh, my God, cybersecurity, complicated, <laughs> right? You, you don't, you don't want to deal with it. As an average, average, let's say, uh, industry. Just call me average. <laughs> no, no, me and you, both, both of us, though, are not that excited about cybersecurity. Let's be honest about it. Um, until, of course, right? You, you know, your your hotel data is it's hacked. People uh, get scammed, and uh, then you get a lawsuit on your on your on your lab, basically trying to tell you, "Yep, sorry, you fucked that one up." Um, but basically, um, this piece of article uh, is very interesting. Uh, it actually breaks down a problem that maybe for us average human beings is a bit more complicated. And all it does is states, so what do you actually do as an average hotel or let's say restaurant to be able to, to, to basically make sure that cybersecurity is implemented in your business, right? You don't need to hire expensive cybersecurity professionals or you know perhaps anything like that that complicated. There's two steps to this, or well, let's say... Uh, uh, two two parts of this, two stages. Stage one uh, is to understand what data, what data, what are you actually protecting? And the article lists five very, very simple things. Uh, so first of all, and you know, most importantly, the the, the first thing is um, your cardholder data. So if anybody booked with credit, credit card with you, you need to make sure it's protected. Personal data because of GDPR issues, people's locations, then your rates data, and lastly, but not like no, but not least, is guests' data uh, of their devices while they're in your building. Mm. So those five things are your crown jewels. Everything else is not as important according to this article, but mm -hmm. those five things need to be protected. All right. Now, how do you do it? No, well, easy <laughs> in brackets. You follow a ten-step program, right? Uh, things like basically assigning a cybersecurity or privacy specialist. So, for example, if you have installed a Wi-Fi network, you can 
ask them to facilitate and help you with cybersecurity, right? You need to find a person who will be responsible for this, so you can also hold them accountable <laughs> for if things you know shit hit the fan mm-hmm. later down the line. And then basically goes through step by step what you need to do, right? Mm-hmm. And for anybody, anybody who hasn't taken care of this, I think we you should definitely click on that article and uh, find out, right? Uh, if you haven't done anything up until now. That would might be the issue, right? And there's some, some such simple things as, for example, setting up a correct um, Wi-Fi network with a correct uh, two-factor certif- um, security certification or whatever, right? So those steps can be done, and they're not too complicated. You just need to proactively look at them. Now you know how to have a bulletproof cybersecurity system in your home. Well, I'm sure it's not bulletproof, right? But this article at least is good enough for people. Really to cool. Anything. Yeah. Because I generally try to not spend too much time on that. I'm glad you you like that. That would have not been the article that I clicked on. So yeah, <laughs> me neither. Right? Thanks you for choosing to... that one. No problem. Anything to anything for the for the humanity. <laughs> <laughs> anything for our readers, the deportee readers and listeners. Yes, of course. Yeah. I guess on that note, we can conclude. No. Yes, I would say so. Thank you so much. I feel like I had an epif- epiphany um, during this podcast, which is always really nice. On a Talk Monday, to people and you might solve problems. Oh, are you hinting at my not social, <laughs> social? No, I'm <laughs> just summarizing. I, I'm not hinting at anything. No, no, I'm just I'm, summarizing. I, I need to explain it quickly because Misha always makes fun of me because I, pre- I sometimes prefer to go to yoga classes instead of socializing on Friday nights. And I'm proud of it. So you keep you keep making fun of me. It's fine. <laughs> as long as you keep your Wi-Fi network cyber safe, then you, it's all fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much. Uh, for thank you very much, everyone, for listening. <laughs> Has been a pleasure. Thank you, Mish. Thank you, Miriam. And I guess see you next week. Next week. Bye bye. <laughs>